Brilliant. So we are approaching Advent, or we just start at the start of Advent, and therefore we're thinking a bit about Jesus as we head in the direction of Christmas. Uh, we kicked off last week, and this is our second week, and today we're thinking, how did Jesus love people? So first of all, can you turn to someone near you and ask them this question? Right? If you had to pick something that Jesus did or said that would help you to explain his love for people, what would you choose? There's some easy ones and some difficult ones. What would you pick? Okay, shall we see how we've done? So I would guess our top choice in the room would be the crucifixion. I would guess, yeah? So Jesus there on the cross dying for us, dying instead of us, dying and saying, look, in this action, I'm going to take away the stuff you've done wrong, remove your guilt, help you to become part of my family. Greater love hath no one than to lay down his life for his friends. Be a pretty solid choice, yeah? How many of you chose that one? Quite a few. Okay, cool. Um, Right, other choices. You might have chosen Lazarus when Jesus' friends, Mary and Martha, their brother had died. And Jesus says, I don't care if he's been dead three days and he smells a bit. I'm going to open the tomb and raise him from the dead. It's an amazing act of love. You might have chosen that one. You might have chosen the woman who was caught having sex with... Can I say sex? We've got children in the room. Okay, good. I was thinking as I was preparing this, have the kids gone out or not? (laughs) Anyway, so the woman caught having sex with someone who wasn't her husband and she was going to get chucked rocks at until she died. And Jesus stopped them and basically said, look, if if one of you's done nothing wrong, you can throw the first stone. But of course, they all had to admit they'd made mistakes. That was an action of love. You might have chosen when he found the lepers outside of the city and they were afraid to infect people and other people were afraid that they would be infected by them as well. But Jesus went and met them and healed them and restored them. A slightly odd thought, but you could have chosen anything in Jesus' life. Because God is love and Jesus is God, part of the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So everything that he does would be in love. Which is a slightly odd thought because he chucks out people out of the temple, doesn't he? And he did it quite violently. And he told people at times how they got it spectacularly wrong. But he did that in love. And in fact, all of the things that he did, he did it in love. We've got two passages, though, and I've been kind to myself and chose easy ones. So the first one uh, we are looking at is Zacchaeus. And this is a rather cheesy picture of him up the tree, but there wasn't a better one. Apologies. And when you think of Zacchaeus, I don't know what you imagined. In my head, I'd imagine this little man, which we're told he was small, but I'd imagine like a minion, like someone who was like, you know, not important. And so he goes up the tree and it's not a big deal. But actually, he's a very important person, someone in charge of all the other tax collectors, which made me wonder, why does he not feel embarrassed? If you were an important person, you wouldn't want to climb a tree in front of other people. And yet he does, which makes me think... Did he know that everyone hated his guts anyway, so he didn't have anything to lose? Was he so miserable it didn't really matter anymore? 
He must have had that sort of desperation for Jesus that made him go, I don't care who knows it. I need to find out about this guy, Jesus. Luke's gospel, where we've had this read from, has a whole series of unlikely people who meet Jesus. And really his overall message is, if you don't think Jesus is for you, then you're wrong. He's for everybody, everybody, even the people who would say, no, I'm not that sort of person. I was in the pub uh, a little while ago and someone said to me, well, you know, there's of course religious people and not, almost like at the maternity unit. Here's the Jesus ward where religious people are born and here's the non-religious ward where everyone else is born. And obviously that's nonsense. Like all of us needed to come to know Jesus at some point, if you have. All friendships start somewhere and the friendship with Jesus is the same in that regard. So Luke introduces us to poor people, rich people, sick people, excluded people, ostracised people, all sorts of people who Jesus meets and says, you're in as well. And at the end of the story of Zacchaeus, he gets called uh, part of the nation of Israel, one of the descendants of Abraham. He's brought into the family. It didn't matter that everyone else had rejected him. Jesus wouldn't. You might have noticed that right at the start of the passage, it says Jesus was passing through, which means he had no intention of stopping. He had just predicted three times that he was going to Jerusalem to be betrayed, killed and rise. So why does he stop? He was on the way somewhere else. Why does he bother to stop at all? I think it comes down to that love is willing to be interrupted. And this is perhaps our first lesson thinking today about how does God love us? Jesus noticed the man up the tree and is willing to stop for him. Saw that there was value in him. Thought it was worth it. In our lives, I know that that's not always easy, and I've been mulling over uh, this little thing. So whether we are task-focused or people-focused, I don't know where you'd put yourself on that. Some of this is quite positive, isn't it? Even if you're on the left, task-focused, many of us need to operate in that space, because our employers and so on during the week, if we stopped doing our job and were just nice to people, would be like firing us in a heartbeat, wouldn't they? But it's that balance. Do we get so focused on the stuff that needs doing that we miss out on the people? In my house, we have a quote book, and I'm not allowed to write in it, and yet entries are made about me. (laughs) Do you have the same in your house? (laughs) Probably you would have like a, a memory of what's being said in your house. And the worst quote from me that's gone in the book is, I have no time for sympathy, I'm making the dinner. You might have the same could be said about you at times in your life. I'm too busy. I can't do sympathy. Jesus is unlikely to have looked at his diary upon seeing Zacchaeus and going, I can fit you in. Instead, he was willing to cancel stuff, I imagine. He was willing to say, you're worth it. I'm willing to be interrupted. I'm willing to disappoint other people because I need to see you today, not in three weeks' time. Notice that Zacchaeus did not have his life changed at that point. He was up the tree. He hadn't already said, God, I'm sorry, I've made a mess. He hadn't sorted himself out. He hadn't given the money back. He hadn't done any of that stuff. But he just knew that Jesus might be part of the answer in his life. And Jesus doesn't stop him and say, no, back up. (laughs) Wait a minute. Sort yourself out first, and then you can get to know me. 
Jesus doesn't do that. Because really what Jesus sees is that Zacchaeus wanted him. And that's really the start, isn't it, for all of us. That we didn't know Jesus, but we wanted him. And that was the beginning of Jesus saying, look, I'm going to step towards you and be part of your life. Jesus notices those people who are searching. Did you notice in the passage that Jesus knew his name? That was interesting, I thought. I'm sure that Jesus didn't have all of the names of the tax collectors learnt. Maybe a list in his pocket. Oh, this one, Zacchaeus. And what it tells us is that God knows our names. Even those of us who look in the mirror and go, I'm not good, or I'm not a Christian. God knows each of our names. And he was amazed by his love. I wonder for us, who is it that we would say, can we have a cuppa this week? And they would be amazed. They'd think, oh, I deserve some of your time. You're giving that to me. In our society, time is the one thing that we don't seem to have much of. Many of us are incredibly busy. And maybe God would say to us, are there things that you'd want to chop out so that you can have time to be interrupted? Time for the people I bring across your path. Not least because I was concerned about becoming a bit heavier than I have been in the past. But I decided this week that I would stop driving the car. That was part of the plan. And the reason I thought this is because I thought, um, you don't meet anyone in the car, do you? At least not in a good way. But you meet people when you walk places. So wherever I can, I've been trying to walk. And it's amazing who God puts across your path. The people that you meet, that he does something in their life. Perhaps for a lot of us today, God might say to us, slow down a bit, make a bit of space for some wiggle room in your diary for the people I would bring you across their path. In my very first year of being a vicar, I remember sitting down with a very wise older vicar who said to me, if anyone is annoying, step towards them, not away from them. There was some wisdom in that. It made me wonder why he kept stepping towards me, but... (laughs) But it might cause us to think, what did Jesus do here? Jesus could have said, here's a man in the tree. Here's a crowd of people interested in me. I'm going to make a point of preaching against this man because he's a scumbag. So I'm going to preach this message against him, but standing here. Have you noticed this man? He leads a terrible life, etc. You lovely people should sort out your lives. But he doesn't do that, does he? I love that Jesus calls him out of the tree and says, I must come to your house. He prioritises him, and in doing so, he shows that the man is loved. In the midst of it, the man's life is changed, and he realises what he needs to do. But he doesn't realise it because Jesus has started with, you've done bad stuff. Jesus comes into his life first and loves him first. And for many of us, that's something that we need to hang on to, that the love of Jesus came long before he ever started to sort out things in our lives. The last phrase of the account of Zacchaeus is fascinating. Jesus, we know, had not intended to stop because he knew what his mission was about, seeking and saving the lost. And we know that on the cross, that's the thing where he did most to sort that out, where he died instead of us, he died so we could be forgiven. And so that's how he sought and saved the lost. But even on the way, he realised This man in front of him, Zacchaeus, was part of his mission. And I wonder sometimes, does God say to us, 
There are people in front of us that we miss that are part of what we're called to do with our lives. I know for me that's true. And part of what I've been praying about is, God, open my eyes to the people I might miss, the people that you're doing stuff in their lives in front of me. That might help you as well. Our second one is about a crippled man by the pool. Has anyone been to the pool, by the way? No? A few people people have been to the pool, yeah? So you can go there even today. Uh, They weren't sure it existed, but then they found it a few years ago doing some archaeology and discovered that is where this event had happened. So our second account is a man who was seeking in the wrong place. Zacchaeus was seeking in the right place, going to Jesus. This guy was seeking in the wrong place. He hoped that the pool would heal him. The name of the pool has two meanings. The first is a house of grace or kindness. And that's why they were going there, to try and find kindness or goodness from God. But the second meaning is a place of shame or disgrace. And again, that's something that they would have felt. Imagine sitting there with the people who were on the outside. The people who felt like, where's God in the midst of my life? I haven't been healed. I'm still a mess. But Jesus steps in. Why does he pick the man is a good question. The man had been there for 38 years. Sometimes I think Jesus wants a challenge. It's like he picks the most difficult situations because then God can show his most glory, if you like. We know, for example, in the story of Lazarus, that Jesus almost allowed Lazarus to die so that God's glory would be shown. But here, I think, Jesus has got compassion. He cares. He notices this man amongst others. You might ask God this week, who is it that I should notice out of a crowd of people? Out of all the people I could notice, who are the people that I should be aware of? And Jesus asks him a good question. Do you want to be healed? In many ways, a ridiculous question. He wouldn't have been there if he didn't want to be healed. Did you notice, though, the man doesn't say yes? He doesn't really answer at all. And yet Jesus heals him anyway. If we were to think of the Gospels and think about the people that Jesus healed, um, probably people who would stand out would be people like the centurion's servant. The centurion had amazing faith, and so Jesus heals. People like Bartimaeus, who calls out to Jesus. He puts his faith in him, and Jesus heals. You might have thought about the opposite last week when Jesus couldn't heal in his hometown or didn't heal because people had no faith. But the weird thing this week is this guy's got no faith at all. At the end of the story, someone says to him, who healed you? And he says, I don't know. (laughs) I haven't got a clue. I got made better, but I don't know who healed me. I wonder for how many of us we found that God stepped towards us before we really had a clue who he was. We didn't really know. But on the way, we start to discover. In the account of this guy by the pool, Jesus then goes and finds him later and explains who he is and helps him to understand what it's all about. But he didn't do it at the time. And perhaps for some of us, that first encounter with Jesus is a very, very simple one. And later we get to put the pieces together. So let's come back to our question, how did Jesus love and what does it mean for us to love? So first of all, we know that God is perfectly happy to be interrupted. That he's really happy to see you. That he wants to spend time with you, he delights in it, it's what he loves to do. 
that God knows your name and values you and looks at you and says, I'd love to be in your life today. Not in three weeks' time, but today. Would you invite me in to be part of your life? He notices, he draws near to us, not at a distance, but Jesus said, can I spend time with you to Zacchaeus? And he says the same to us. He isn't bothered about how other people see us. He isn't bothered whether we're popular or not. He isn't bothered whether we feel ourselves to be liked or not. He loves us and wants to be part of our lives as he has done with Sophie and Samaga and Mackenzie this morning. And there's an urgency in his life, in his love. Can I be part of you today? The second thing we thought about was then what does our love look like with other people? How does that look? Rachel and I, my wife, were comparing the other day and we've been, I think, in eight or nine churches, something like that. And one of the things that we've found is we know what it's like to be an outsider. We know what it's like to rock up and know nobody. And it's been helpful because it's reminded us to always be noticing people. God might say to us today, what does it mean for us to notice people and to prioritise people and to spend time with them and to allow ourselves to be interrupted? Sometimes we need to ask God to give us a vision again. Who are the people that he wants us to be in their lives? Who are the people that we're called to love? Even when we'd rather step back, and he says no step forwards, step towards like Jesus did. God's love is amazing. He is love. He is love in everything he does. He is love when he chooses to give time. He is love when he corrects us and gives us the strength to change. He is love when he heals us. He was love on the cross when he died for us. And his love shows us that he can empower us to bring change to this world. It's a love that comes close. It's a love that chooses every single one of us.